Today's episode is sponsored by the International Association of Creative Arts Professionals. Make your dream of a creative business a reality with help from the International Association of Creative Arts Professionals. For more than 20 years, ICAP has been the go-to resource for thousands of creatives around the world. Whether you're looking for peer support through their Creative Passion to Profit Facebook group, help taking your business to the next level through the ICAP membership, the chance to work on, not in your business at the annual conference or private coaching, you'll find just what you need. Head on over to joinicap.com slash and grab your free creative arts business blueprint and poster to get started. And if you decide to up-level your business with an ICAP Elevating membership, you'll enjoy 10% off with the code ABBY, that's A-B-B-Y, all in caps, when you check out. Thank you so much, ICAP. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 95 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we are talking about embroidery and fabric collage with my guest, Nicole Vogelsinger. Nicole's interest in fiber arts is rooted in a childhood spent dabbling in knitting, crochet, cross-stitch, and any other craft that involved using hands versus a sewing machine. She comes from a family of quilters, which helped to immerse her in the world of fabric and color and pattern. Several years ago, she turned her focus toward embroidery and began creating hoop art that combined her love of fabric, especially modern fabrics and designs, with her love of texture and color. By combining applique techniques with the blank canvas of a fabric, she approaches embroidery with a free-spirited style. She shares her creative process on Instagram as at wildboho, and I'm super excited to have her on the show today. So Nicole Vogelsinger, welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here with you. Yeah, it's going to be great talking to you. Um, first, I want to say congratulations to you on the publication of your first book. Oh, thank you so much. It's been really exciting. It's called Boho Embroidery, Modern Projects from Traditional Stitches. And I have it right here sitting next to me. It's published by Lucky Spool. I bought my copy a couple of weeks ago um, after following you on Instagram for a long time. And I am actually almost finished with my first project from the book now, which is super awesome. So thank you for putting this out into the world. Oh, thank you. I've been following your your boho stitching and I can't wait to see what you're making. Yeah, it's so fun. I, I really, really like it. So that's why I wanted to to talk to you. So um so to start out, I think it could be interesting to trace how the book came to be because I think that's something people are sort of curious about, especially from someone like you who I mean, you've been on the craft scene for a while. You had an Etsy shop way back, you know, in 2007. So it's not like you're brand new, but I do feel like your visibility has taken off quite a bit in the last year or two. Um, you feel free to disagree with me if I'm wrong on that, but, <laughs> but that's my, that's kind of my sense. And I think people kind of wonder, well, how does that happen? Like, how does somebody kind of burst, you know, seemingly burst onto the scene? Um, and how did they make that happen for themselves? So if you can kind of take us back to that first Etsy shop concept and then kind of trace, let's trace your creative path to, to how you got to this book. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was back in 2007. I started an Etsy shop just because I was doing office work during the day, but that wasn't really where my interests were. So I would get home at night and I just wanted to do something creative. Um, we had a really cool scrapbooking store nearby with 
um, really awesome papers. And so I figured out a way to make jewelry combining metal and paper. And I think that was, uh, what started my introduction into the quilting fabric, the really cool fabrics that were coming out a few years later. Um, so I did that for a few years and I wanted, I wanted a project that I could incorporate these fabrics into, but I wasn't really, I wasn't into sewing as much as I could have been, um, coming from a background where my mom and my grandmother were big into sewing and quilting. And it, I just didn't get it. I got the fabric, but I didn't get the sewing end of things. Um, so I was into fabrics and I was like, well, how can I use these fabrics in interesting ways that I could actually see, like see the things that I'm making without actually getting into the scary world of sewing machines. To me, they were scary. <laughs> um, so I started, you know, buying up fat quarters, just little bits of things that I liked. And just, I, I started playing around with mixing and matching fabrics. Um, I knew how to do needlework from, I used to do cross stitch. I was not super into cross stitch, but it was something that I did because I could do it with my hands. And I started to teach myself embroidery. And I thought it's really fun to put these fabrics together um, and then to layer embroidery on them. And it was something I could do when I was going places. I could sit in the car and do it. I had two small kids, so I could do that while they were napping. I didn't need to um, remember where I was in a pattern or a project and have to leave it for a few hours and then come back. Like I liked the portability of, um, of hand work like that. And then Instagram, I saw crafters were putting things on Instagram and I didn't want to, uh, flood my friends, personal feeds with all of the things that I was making. So I just started sharing things on wild boho on Instagram and it just seemed to get a following from there. Um, and with more fabrics that came out, I mean, there's really awesome fabrics that I just love and they're inspiring to me. That helped me to put other things together. And I think the Instagram, the Instagram world was really helpful, um, both in inspiring me, giving me ideas and also helping to, um, inspire others and bring a sense of community to the crafting, which is really enjoyable. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Instagram because, um, I agree with you that, that I feel like that's where your, I don't know, attraction has sort of come from. And it's fascinating to me because I'm like a blogger from the old days. Like I've been blogging for a really long time before Instagram came around and stuff. And so I think that now, you know, you really can build a career based on an Instagram presence. Obviously you're doing other things too. You have a website, you have a shop, et cetera, but you know, you can really gain traction there. So I'm curious to hear about how you approach Instagram and, and like maybe how you're approaching it now, like what your routine looks like on a day-to-day -day basis and um, sort of how you think about your Instagram presence. That, I mean, Instagram is kind of incredible. I didn't really expect, um, I didn't expect it to be as big as it is, but it has been instrumental in helping me with the process. I love looking at other people's creative pictures. So I try to just do the same thing that I enjoy looking at. Um, you know, the fabrics, the threads that I'm working with, I like to show, um, some of my favorite things, uh, little snippets of ideas that I'm coming up with. I, I don't have a daily, like I must post at this time sort of deal, 
but it is always kind of running through the back of my head with different projects I'm working on. And, oh, there's good lighting right now. I could take a picture of this and maybe I'll use it later. Um, and just connecting with people that way is really fun too. And about how many times a day would you say you're posting? Um, usually just once a day. Um, once in a while, if it's something you know really cool, I'll post another, another thing. Um, on Sundays, I always have my, which I think we'll talk about later, the boho stitch along post. I've been doing that. That gives me a focus for Sunday, at least, um, something that I had been working on earlier in the week I share on Sundays, but normally I just, I just post once a day. Um, and it's usually something current that I've been working on. Sometimes I'll use, you know, shots from the book or, um, embroidery stitches or different tools, but it's whatever is currently on my mind. Okay. And let's, let's actually find out about that Boho Stitch Along now, because is that um, a particular hashtag that you have, or is that something that you're running on your blog and then is sort of coming over to Instagram and our other community members participating? Yes. Yeah, so on Instagram, the hashtag is Boho S-A-L for Boho Stitch Along. It's a stitch along that I thought of uh, in January it's something that I like to do. I take a piece of fabric that I love to look at, um, that I plan on using to hang in my house one day. And I just take it little by little stitching when I have time. I wanted it to be, um, a stitch along that didn't have like deadlines because I'm not great following along with things like that. So I didn't want people to feel pressure joining this stitch along. I wanted it to be low key stitch when you have time, um, share your ideas on Sundays. I do post what I've been working on for the week. And I also do a blog post that day. I'll sometimes share, uh, other things from that hashtag that I've really been enjoying watching progress, or I'll share tips, um, different fabrics I really like. So Sundays are my, my blog days. I'm not as good with blogging, um, as I am with Instagram, Instagram is great cause it's little snapshots and I'm really busy with little kids and, you know, just life. So it lets me, um, be in the creative world for a little bit while I'm going about my life. But blogging is something I do on Sundays just for that specific thing right now. And I like that you're talking about how you incorporate Instagram into a real life because I'm a mom of kids, little kids too. I think many listeners are, or if they're not, they have other things going on. They might have a day job. They might have um, other people that they're caring for in their life or they're just busy. And so um, it can kind of seem daunting, like, well, how are you going to find time to do this? And so I really think it's good to share with people, well, how do you find time to do this? And it sounds as though you're not necessarily taking a batch of photos on, you know, one day of the week and then meeting them out, you know, throughout the week, but you're actually sort of in the moment taking a shot and then using that in Instagram right then. Exactly. I wish I had more time to dedicate more dedicated time during the day where I could say, okay, this is where I'm going to take my pictures. And once I do it, it's done for the week. I, I mean, with life, there's just not time for that. Uh, most of my stitching is done at night when kids are asleep and everything's done for the day and I can actually concentrate on it. And everything else that I do is slotted in between all of my day-to-day -day things that I that I have to do. Right. So you're actually taking the photo during the daytime, right? Am I right about exactly. that? So you get the good light. Yeah, exactly. There's, I live in an, a cool old town and there's always neat like 
brickwork and houses. And I try to incorporate stuff like that because I really like that um, kind of urban uh, industrial sort of feel to the backgrounds of really cool fabrics and stuff. So yeah, I'm always looking when I'm out for cool places to take pictures, but they're usually done quickly as I'm driving past on the way to something else. <laughs> right. Okay. And we think that's, that's good. That's realistic. And I also think it's cool that you're using Instagram as an art form. I mean, so you're making art obviously with the embroidery, um, but you're also making a different kind of art, which ends up being on Instagram. Um, and you're using it as a creative tool that, you know, both fuels your creativity and also builds community. Exactly. And it, it, it does. I'm always looking like what could make a really cool picture, something that I would like to look at if I were looking at someone else's pictures. So that's what's in the back of my head as I'm stitching something or driving around looking for little locations, what could look cool as art as well. Right. So people who are artistic, this is another opportunity to do that. You can, and you're taking these photos just with your phone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had a fancy camera, but it's all with my, with my iPhone, which does really good pictures. <laughs> yeah. And are you using a lot of like filters or processing afterward? Are you just, um, just doing like none or a little bit? Um, I do a tiny bit of filters. I like the, the app, uh, a color story. Um, I like that because I can keep things. I don't want it to look overly filtered. I want people to see the real colors of fabrics and, um, you know, I want, I want it to look real, but I do like a little filtering. Okay. That's good to hear. And I will link to that, um, that app so people can go and check it out just to, to touch up their photos a little bit to yeah. make them a little more visually appealing. Go back now to that first Etsy shop, because I actually think yes. that there is an artistic, um, consistency in a sort certain kind of interesting way between what you were making then and what you're making now. And also because you've pivoted. And I think pivoting is something people really fear. Like I'm known for one thing. I can never change, you know, I can never sort of change my mind or take up a new interest because I'll, you know, my following, my customer base will drop off and that feels really scary. So, right. um, so tell us what exactly you were making in 2007 in the first Etsy shop. And then it sounds like you might've closed it up for a little while, um, and then reopened it doing something different. Yeah. So I started, um, making jewelry. I did two types of jewelry. The one was the more artsy. I took metal washers and I had my Mod Podge and my really cool scrapbook papers. And I pretty much did exactly what I'm doing now with fabric only with paper and metal. So I would cut little elements out of the papers and I would put them onto backgrounds of other papers and seal it. And I made jewelry that way. I also did uh, bridal jewelry out of beads and uh, little gems. I found that was something I got a lot of custom requests for. I wasn't as into that, but it was something I could do and it helped bring in a little bit of money. So that was helpful. Um, I did close up the shop uh, when I, I think it was when I had kids, I just got, you know, engrossed in other things. Um, but then as I started to come out of that fog of little, little kids, I wanted to get my creativity back. And that's when I started with the fabrics doing exactly the same thing, only in hoops and what's with so fabric. Yeah. What's so interesting is that it's still round. Like if that, exactly. the, the washers, <laughs> like I went back to your Etsy shop, um, to see like in the way back, you know, what you were selling yeah. and they were around 
a circular washer with um, basically fussy cutting <laughs> um, exactly uh, scrapbooking motif from paper. And now you're using a, an embroidery hoop and fussy cutting fabric. So it's really kind of that same circular composition. Yes, I think I hope I've come a long way in my photographs because I look back at those things that I was making. Um, and I'm like, oh, those pictures, how did I even sell things? But yes, it's definitely the rounds. I don't know what it is about that, that I like so much, but it is a, a palette I like to work with. Um, right, exactly. And did you change the name of the shop? Um, it started off as Island Baby. And to be completely honest, I can't even remember how I came up with that name. Um, it gradually changed to Wild Boho. I like the bohemian feel of what I do with the fabric and also that there's, I feel like not having uh, a strict pattern to follow or a set of stitches that you must do on something. I feel like that encompasses um, the work that I do. And so I really, I, I liked the boho part of that. Um, and that's what I talk about a lot in my book too, like just going, I give you ideas, but it's more coming up with things on your own, um, as, as opposed to following a pattern. Absolutely. And that's, what's so cool about this book. I almost feel like you've invented this combination between fabric collage and embroidery where, I mean, when I sat down to do my project from, uh, from the book, I literally just took out like a big bucket of scraps, went through, found some interesting motifs from fabric, some of which I've had forever, um, fussy cut them out and then, um, use, uh, it's like a fusible web, I guess, that you can right. use to, um, adhere it to the base fabric and then just took out like a whole big bucket of embroidery floss and got to work, like just whatever you want to do to yes. embellish, to add stitching. You can outline it. You can add French knots. You can really do whatever. And it, it does have that wild feeling. Yes. And just having fun with it, not stressing out over it is that's what I like about this. I want it to be relaxing and something that I enjoy coming back to every day. And it is, I think I've come up with something that I do really enjoy doing. Yeah. And it's sort of counter to that, I don't know, sort of state or traditional feeling of embroidery in which it needs to be really perfect. You need to have a sampler where you're demonstrating your skill set, and the back needs to be just as good as yes. the front and all of yes. that. And this is sort of saying, okay, well, there is something to be said for learning traditional stitches, but yes. there's also something to be said for applying them to something completely creative and free. Yeah. And it's funny because when I, I will occasionally post pictures of the backs of my hoops because it's crazy. Like there's craziness back there. I've got stitches that are crossed and mixed and everyone comments that it makes them feel so much better about their own work. So I think that's good. It doesn't need to be perfect. It's, it's supposed to be fun and enjoyable. I want to take a minute now to hear more from our sponsor, the International Association of Creative Arts Professionals. I'm Morna McEver, founder and CEO of the International Association of Creative Arts Professionals and the Creative Arts Business Summit. Well, I grew up in a family with an artist mother, a sewer, but she was also a watercolor artist, and a father who was a businessman. So as I look back, I can see that this really infused what I do today because I work with 
largely women, to help them craft business success from their creative passions. And being in the art environment for so long, I realized that it's so important that people get their art out in the world. And I believe that if they don't, the world is really less for it. So this is what drives me. And the problem is that people create and then they don't know how to run a business or how to market that business. So I've been doing this on one level for at least the last 20 some odd years. First as the publisher of a magazine called The Professional Quilter and later known as Create Inc. And it just led to the association. It led to our annual conference where people come and just spend three days working on their business rather than in their business. And I feel that my own background, I was a maker and a seller for many, many years. And then I bring that particular strength to working with other people. I've been there and done that. So I know what their struggles are. And I know how much they really want to get their art out in the world. The International Association of Creative Arts Professionals is a membership association. And we offer a magazine. Um, our readers get a copy of Where Women Create Business. They get monthly coaching calls as a, as a group. They get a monthly conversation on a particular business book. And we talk about how that will make a difference in their business. They have a Facebook page where they connect with each other and get their problems answered. So you have peer support. And then you get actual coaching from me in this particular group. I put together a product that we call the Creative Arts Business Blueprint. And it's eight steps to turn your creative passion into a business. And it's the same quote formula that I use with all of my private clients and people who come to our event. Anybody who's listening can get that free if they go to joinicap.com slash while she naps. You can also get a poster of the same eight steps. And then if you choose to join us as a member of ICAP, which I certainly hope you do, if you use the code ABBY, all in caps when you check out, you'll save 10% on our annual membership fee. Thank you so much, ICAP. And now back to my conversation with Nicole. Here you are, um, new Etsy shop going with, um, with the hoops and you're making them, you're, you're building a following on Instagram. Um, and then how did you interact initially with Suzanne Woods, who is the, the founder or president of uh, Lucky Spool, which is the publisher of your book? Um, I, it's actually really cool. And it is all because of Instagram, which is incredible. She contacted me and had been, um, she emailed me and said she had been following along for a while and really liked what I was coming up with. And had I ever thought of writing a book? Um, and I was kind of like, wow, I, this is really cool. Like people, people really search for, um, you know, when they want to write a book, they're putting proposals out there. And this kind of came to me. And I'm really fortunate in that because I don't know that I, if I hadn't been approached, I don't know that I would have pursued um, writing a book. It's something, writing is something I've always enjoyed, always liked doing. When I was younger, I wanted to be a writer, not of craft books, of, you know, other whatever. Um, but the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I was like, yeah, I really, I would enjoy doing this. And I wanted to write a book that I would want 
to learn from. I wanted to write a book that, um, and Suzanne was great to work with, with this when we were tossing ideas around. Um, I mentioned to her that I wanted to have a book that from start to finish, somebody could learn how to embroider. They wouldn't need to get other reference books. They could learn all of the supplies, all of the stitches and how to come up with something that they created. Um, and that's, she was really, she was great to work with in that way and letting me kind of follow uh, what I wanted to do with that. Okay. So she contacted you. She saw you on Instagram. You started tossing ideas back and forth with one another, honing in on exactly the shape that the book would have. Did you right. then have to actually write a proposal or a table of contents or do a sample chapter? Tell us what happened next. Yeah, I did. I, I mean, if you look at the Lucky School website, um, I think there's a section that if you want to submit something, all of the steps that you have to go through to, to submit um, an idea for a book. And I did have to do all of that. Um, I had to come up with what I thought the book would look like, um, mood boards for what I pictured it to look like in the end, um, things I liked, you know, design wise, um, all of the chapters and a sample chapter. And I think I did have, I had to have a proposal too. So yes, once she contacted me, I still had to go through all of the steps that, you know, anybody submitting an idea would, which did help me. It helped me get my ideas, um, down for what I wanted to see in a book. And we, we stayed pretty close to what originally, um, I presented. And, um, I know that Holly DeGroote of Bijou Lovely did the photography, which is really beautiful. She did a wonderful job. And I'm wondering if you knew Holly in advance or how the partnership with her came to be. I didn't know her other than through following her on Instagram um, and seeing her work there. Suzanne actually put the design team together for the book. And Holly was the photographer and stylist that she chose. And I was excited about that. But when it actually came to the point where I had to send all of my projects to Holly, that was one of the most stressful days because I had boxes of all of the projects and supplies. And I had to ship all of that to her. And then it was out of my hands. And there was my book in her hands. And she did an incredible job. I saw the pictures when she first started sending them. And I couldn't believe they were my hoops. I was like, wow, I made this. But look how she she put it in this setting that just it made it look really cool. So I was just thrilled with her work. Yeah. I think that's something that is interesting for people to realize is that when you do write a book, first of all, it is a real collaboration. It may be that you work on the manuscript and the projects in some form of not isolation, but sort of on your own. But when it does um, move on to the next step, which is um, photography and styling and design of the actual layout of the book, um, that those are in other artists' hands and, exactly. um, and so it's, in it, that's interesting because what happens is you see your work through the eyes of somebody else. And I'm wondering if you learned through that process, some things about what is special about your work or what's attractive about it or what its potential could be. Um, well, I think when, when I first started when I'm taking it back to when I first started making hoops and doing embroidery and people would ask me like, well, what am I supposed to do with, with this hoop? Like once I'm 
once I buy this, what do I do with it? Or if I make it, like, where do I put it? What am I supposed to do? Um, it was really neat to see through Holly's eyes, the, the layouts of design, um, the things that she envisioned doing with the hoops. It made them, it made me appreciate my work a little bit more seeing it that way. It made it feel a little bit more special. Um, I'm just me sitting here stitching, you know, and then finally seeing a finished product like that. It, it was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and just to clarify, like, I mean, there are projects in the book where you are embellishing other things. It might start in a hoop, but then it becomes a bag or it can become part of something you wear. Um, but many of the hoops are, the embroidery hoop itself serves as a frame. And so you can stain the embroidery hoop, you can wrap it with cloth, um, you can paint it, but it serves as the frame. And so you put a nail on the wall and hang it when it's finished. Right. And um, the one thing about the book, when Suzanne and I had first been talking, we both didn't want it to be a book full of specific projects um, that you had to do. Like many craft books will have, okay, well, here's you know, a project for a pincushion. You can use this pattern and you can make a pincushion. And here's a, another pattern for a bag and you can use this pattern and this motif and do this bag. We, those are great, but we didn't want that book, this book to be that way. Um, we wanted it to be more inspiring. So to give you ideas and then jump off from there and make your own, go your own direction with what you've learned through here. Yeah. And I think though, you know, the way that craft media is consumed has changed over the last, let's say five years for the majority of people. So if they do want to make a pin cushion, for example, they can go to Pinterest, find right. a pattern, either a free pattern, or they can buy a pattern and they can make that exact pin cushion without too much difficulty. Whereas maybe 10 years ago, we would certainly turn to a craft book to get a pattern for a pin cushion or purchase a print pattern. Now it's really easy to find that sort of selection online. But what you can exactly. find online is a whole body of work of, inspi of inspiring work from one artist that's put together. And I think in that way, there's still a lot of value in writing a book for you and also in buying a book for us as consumers, because we really see your whole way of thinking all together in one place. And yes, it may not be particular patterns, but we don't need particular patterns. What we need is a new way to approach creativity. Exactly. And with the fabrics that are being designed, which constantly come out, and I'm just amazed by every, you know, um, line that a designer has, it, it gives you ways to use, like to keep using these fabrics in really fun and new ways, I think. Yeah, exactly. So it builds on kind of the intersection between quilting and embroidery. So people who are very into modern fabric designers um, and collect Allison glass and, you know, collect yeah. pink or whatever it might be um, and have those scraps left over that are really cherished still. This gives you a way to put those to work. Um, and I noticed that you have done some sewing for quilt market and I wondered um, did you do some for Libs Elliott's booth, I think? And I'm not sure if there's been others or not, but how did those come about? Because I know people email me often and say, I'd really like to sew some samples for designers for quilt market. And I don't know how to start doing that. Um, yeah, you know, it was, it was Daryl at Andover who first made contact with me and that's how I, I first got started. Um, 
she, through Instagram, saw the hoops that I was making and asked for a few. I think the first uh, one that I did was for Downton Abbey, the first line of fabric that they had um, a few years back. And so what happened is she said, we need, you know, a certain amount of hoops and this is the fabric and we need it by this date. And can you do it? And that's how it started. And then, and did she um, find you because you were making, you had maybe bought some Andover fabric and had tagged Andover on yeah, Instagram? I think so that's ha- how she found you. I think hashtags are super important with that. And I do use Andover fabric and really did like it. I don't know if that's how she found me or if it was just through the crafting world, um, on Instagram, but that is how it got started, which is kind of neat. Yeah. So I think that it's important too, because sometimes people are fearful about putting their work out there. They're worried that it will get copied um, or it will get pinned to, to Pinterest without proper attribution to them and that sort of thing. But on the flip side, when you do put things out there, you get new opportunities and it allows people to see your work. Yeah, definitely. And sharing even, I mean, start by sharing small, just little bits of things. That's kind of what I do. And it's nerve wracking to put something out there. You, you post something and you're like, oh, but what if everybody hates it? Like, what if it only looks good to me? Um, you kind of have to get past that a little bit and have, have some confidence in what you're doing and putting out there. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think that those are great things to share because it helps people understand how to get seen. Um, and it's really about basically doing what you wish your job was as though it were your job already, right? Like, like, Oh, my job is to make these embroidery fabric collages, take really nice pictures of them, um, constantly sort of innovate and come up with new ways to do this and take more really nice pictures of them. And that's my job. And then over time, here we are. And you know what? It's become your job. Exactly. And that's so cool. And it, I just, yeah, it's really, it's fun how it happened. Okay. So how long did it take you to write the book? Um, let's see. So I believe I started writing in September of, let's see, we're in 2017. So it was 2015. I started and I think I had about six months to write and do all of the projects and, you know, do everything for the book before I had to submit it. And then from there, it was a few more months where photography was being done and um, the design of the book was being done. So that was the part that was kind of out of my hands, except for, you know, editing things I had to, um, I had to take care of. So for me, the main part of it was about six months from start to finish. Okay. And have you um, felt differently now that the book is out in the world. I mean, I know for me, when my first book came out, I didn't expect to feel differently. Um, but once it came out, I did feel differently about my work and about sort of my feelings of like legitimacy. Like I'm, I'm really a designer. Like this is really what I do. I don't know whether you had that shift in mindset once like, well, I wrote a book. So, (laughs) well, you know what? I think it's when, when people comment, Oh, I got your book and I'm doing this with it. And I picked up embroidery after so many years of not having touched a thread and needle. And I'm just so excited. That just makes me so happy when I hear that. And that, 
I think that's the most important part for me, just knowing that it has, because you put a book out there and you're not sure how it will be taken. And so when people are excited and they've learned something, that just makes my day every time I hear that. And you do have print patterns in your shop. Did you have those patterns prior to the book deal? Uh, No, I have. That's just something since I, when I finished that book, I couldn't take on any other, any other projects. But when I finished that, um, I started thinking like, well, what's my next step? My next step is that I want to create patterns that, that other people would like to do to make hoop art. Now that they've learned the basics, here's a pattern that you can make your own with your own fabrics and, and you've learned how to embroider. So here you go. Try this now. Right. Okay. I see. So I wonder, yeah. I mean, for myself, when I finished writing my second book, that's exactly how I got into making patterns. Because when you write a book, um, at least for me, you get into this, um, rhythm where you have to, create a new concept in a new pattern, like every three weeks or whatever it is in order yes, to like, meet exactly. your deadline. Right. And so you're like, yes. all year long, you're like working, 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 working. And then you're like, okay, it's finished. And you send it away. And then you're like, okay, what do I do now? And I was right. sort of still in the rhythm. And then that was the first pattern. I was like, well, I'll just keep going, you know? <laughs> exactly. And with the color wheel pattern that I have out now, there's a color wheel on the cover of my book it was not a pattern that was included. It was to be for a chapter opener on, it was just to be a photograph for the chapter on color and fabrics. And, and so when the book came out and people were like, Oh, I can't wait to do that color wheel. And I was thinking to myself, Oh boy, the color wheel. I, that's not a pattern. (laughs) So, and that color wheel was a, a little, it was really big. Um, the one that's on the cover and took me forever. And how can I make it like something that somebody else can do. Um, that's not quite as complicated as the one that I did. And so that's when I, when I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try this now. And the color wheel pattern, I mean, I haven't seen finished projects that people are working on, but so far the response has been good to the pattern. Yeah. I mean, I looked at your recent sales on Etsy and that seems to be the predominant item is this color wheel. And it is on the cover of the book. And I like how you're saying that you, essentially we're listening to your customer base who was asking for it or was commenting that they were looking forward to making it. And instead of sort of, I don't know, feeling like hesitant or resistant to that ask, you met it with a pattern that they would want to use. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's important. And I, I wonder about um, hoop art itself because you know, I feel like it's been around for a while, um, but I wondered if there was, or if you can pinpoint a particular maker or a particular book um, down, you know, back back in the day that sort of introduced you to this concept that you could use an embroidery hoop as a canvas to create something that would either, well, would most likely stay in the hoop. I know there was a a 2013 book called Hoopla by Kirsty Neal. I don't know if you saw that book or if there was something else that introduced you to this idea. I have seen that book. I'd have to say that two of the first stitchers that I really took notice of were Jenny Hart of Sublime Stitching and Amy Ray. And I think what I I liked most about both of them when I was getting into embroidery was that it they both did embroidery that wasn't super traditional. Um, 
it wasn't your grandmother's embroidery. It was new and it was modern and it felt really cool and fun. And that both of those um, artists, I think, are who inspired me to start on my creative journey into embroidery. I see. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I feel like um, we all kind of inspire one another, but there's usually somebody who you can turn to and say, oh, that was the that person's work really made me think, oh, I could do this. Exactly. And I have so many uh, sublime stitching patterns that I bought that really I, I worked on my embroidery skills through her patterns and Amy Ray's books of really cute, like woodland motifs and just fun little projects that I, that I worked on to, to help me with um, getting better at embroidery and really enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And so, um, uh, I wonder what, what, what's coming down the road. Do you, do you, can you talk a little bit about what's next for you? Um, well, I am, I'm working on projects for quilt market that's coming up and, and I these are other... projects for other designers that you're creating with their, their fabric, um, strike exactly. Um, well, I'm working on, um, some stuff for Allison glass for the Andover booth. Um, some Robert Kaufman things and, uh, another hoop that I'm making for Sue Spargo, not with, she doesn't do fabric, but with her, uh, threads because I, hers are some of my favorite threads that I use. So I have those. Um, and I am also working on other patterns. I just have ideas coming faster than I can, uh, create them. So that's, that's something I'm focusing a lot on right now, trying to to get those down and create them. And that's great. And I think that um, sewing for quilt market, um, sewing samples for people, it, it's a good way to forge relationships with somebody new. Um, and obviously it can be a good way to get your name out there. Although it is hard when people are walking through a market to sort of, you know, look at something and say, well, who made that, you know, and actually identify the name with because the there's maker. so many, there's so much going on. Yes. Although, I mean, it can happen for sure. And if your business card's right there, but it also really helps you to develop relationships, um, with fabric companies and with other designers. Exactly. That's been the really cool part of, of working for, um, you know, different people for quilt market, the relationships that have come from that. Yeah. And businesses are built on relationships, whether it's relationships with their customers and the, um, patterns they're asking for or their reactions to your book or just a, a comment here and there on Instagram or whether it's relationships with people in the industry who um, help to, you know, connect you and lead you to new opportunities. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's really important. Okay. I want to make sure um, we get to your list because you've got some cool things to recommend. And um, the first one, and I saw these actually in one of your Instagram photos, I think, um, you have the tulip pink micro tip scissors. Are these the ones that have that kind of iridescent? Oh, like, my word. Finish? Yeah. Yes. First of all, they're just the prettiest scissors ever. And yeah, they're the, the four inch micro tip ones. I love them. Every time I use them, I just, I don't get bored with using them. And I know it's silly to think that of scissors, but her scissors are really cool. And they're so great. The fine point is really great for cutting close to the fabric without like cutting your fabric on accident. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to use nice things, you know, to have your space be filled with things that make you happy. And yes, yes, it can be something small, like a beautiful pair of scissors, but it enriches the experience. 
Um, the little things are the things that get me most excited with when it comes to stitching and supplies. I just, I love them. I'm a sucker for cute little things like that. Absolutely. And you like, you have a certain kind of um, needle. It's a, and I don't know, I've never used these. So they're Richard Hemming needles, especially yeah. the milliner's needles. So what are those? So I love the milliner's needles because they're longer than an embroidery needle. Um, they're a little bit sturdier and I, I'm really rough on needles. I think most people who work with threads and embroidery are rough on needles, but these don't bend as much for me. Um, so they, they can hold up to my abuse and they work with thicker threads too, which is really nice. Cause I've been, um, working with a lot of, you know, different yarn type things and thicker pearl cotton. So they work great with those. And do you use like a needle threader at all, or are you just doing this by hand? You know, I have broke so many Me too. needle threaders. What <laughs> is up with time. those, the ones with the little wire um, yes. diamond? What is up with those? They always break. They always break, but I did just try out, um, Dritz sent me, they have this adorable little hummingbird needle threader. And I think it's a, maybe a week or so back in my post, but I'm going to be posting a video on it soon because this, I've been trying this needle threader with some of the thicker threads and it works great and I haven't broken it and it has really helped me. I always would try to get by without a needle threader just because they're more hassle to me. But this one, I actually, it's on my list of things I do really like. So. Okay. All right. That's good. Yeah. I remember seeing that in your feed and we'll try to link to that too. So, so did Dritz just send that to you? Like they saw your stuff and were like, Hey, you need this or did you buy that? You know, I, I commented on that one that, Oh, it's, you know, I love hummingbirds. I'm a bird person. So I was like, Oh, it's so adorable. And they, they did contact me then and said, would you like to try it out? Which was neat. Okay. So, so again, yeah. and this is on Instagram. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So again, this is like relationship <laughs> building, community yes. building, participating, um, being authentically you, like you do really like hummingbirds. You weren't exactly. just saying that. Um, and you know, and, and down the road, that relationship could blossom into something further or not either way, but you've, um, you've developed it and, you know, you've got a contact at Dritz now, for example. Exactly. Nice. And it kind of endears you to a company then like, oh yeah, that little needle threader. Like I will buy another one of their things because of that. Yeah. And it makes me too, as my own company feel like, Hey, you know, if somebody does come in on something like that, maybe send them one, you know, like maybe. No, that's so true. Yeah. Like go ahead and send them one and see, you know, send them a copy of your book or send them, um, one of your patterns or a product like that and see if they might like it with no obligation, obviously, but if they like it, then that's nice, you know, and it does, as you said, endear people to you. So yes, exactly. Worth doing. Okay. Yeah. So you have been using some beads and, um, in your embroidery and incorporating seed beads and different kinds of beads. So you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah. You know, this, it kind of was funny. I was looking through, I have lots of beads. Um, I have drawers full of beads from when I was making uh, wedding jewelry and I've always been into beading, but it was just a few weeks ago, I was doing a project with my son and I was going through my beads for something else. And I'm like, you know, I, this size seed bead is perfect for this one project I'm working on. And it just so happened. It was the boho stitch along project. I just played with adding beads and I was like, I don't know why I didn't do this sooner. <laughs> so I, my favorite place to buy the beads is online at fusionbeads.com. And I went 
on there and ordered a ton of seed beads in all the colors that I didn't have because making wedding jewelry in the past, it was a lot of silvers and grays and, you know, muted colors. But the fabrics that I like to work with now are the bold colors and, you know, lots of colors. So I ordered seed beads in every color and I think you're going to see them a lot more if you follow me on Instagram because I've been adding them to everything. That's great. And, you know, there's some crossover here between like art quilting. I I don't know. There's something about it that sort of does resonate about art quilting where you're, you know, free to fuse things without stitching around them, for example, and free to incorporate um, different textures, yarns, um, beading. So, um, you know, it, it... I don't know. There's there's definitely a little bit of a feeling of that. Yes, definitely. I've really been into um, adding texture, looking for different things that that aren't what you normally associate with embroidery. I've been trying to look towards incorporating into my projects. That's awesome. Okay. And then thread, of course, we have to get to thread. Um, Yes. And so you have a couple of different threads that you love, but it sounds like you are always experimenting and incorporating new threads when you find them. So the first is, and I have to try this um, because I've heard you talk about it before about the Sue Spargo Eleganza. Yeah. I also, this relationship came through Instagram where they contacted me and asked if I would like to try it. And I did. And I am hooked on their threads. Um, I use them. I use the Eleganza for almost everything. It's just a great, a great embroidery thread that you don't have to separate, which can be a pain if you're stitching a lot. Um, it just comes on a spool. I normally use the size eight, which is about the width of two strands of like a DMC floss, but I've been incorporating the size five which is a little bit thicker, um, into a lot of things. And I like that the, that thread shows up a lot on, on the fabrics that I use. So is it more like a twisted pearl cotton where you're not separating? It is. It's, it's a pearl cotton. Um, it's, she's collaborated with wonderful specialty threads and come up with all of the colors and the colors I think are what, what really catch my eye because they're great colors that work with, you know, the Allison glass and the Anna Maria Horner fabrics really well. They just, they just go with everything. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, for you, these beads and this specialty thread, it's really like your paint box. Yes. I have my, my art bin sitting here on the table and it's brimming with, yes, my, my paints, which are my threads and the, you know, um, embellishments, which are the beads and yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you have a couple more threads um, that are textured threads that you'd like to recommend. Silk, linen, seagrass, which I don't know what that is, mohair, um, and all of them are come from the thread gatherer. Yeah. The thread gatherer has a lot of different textures because I am, I don't want to get bored with what I use. So I am always looking for other things to use. Um, another one, they have silk thread that just the different textures and varieties, the mohair. I like that. It's, it lets little fibers show in your art, which I think is, is neat. So it's all about just incorporating fun textures. And is the thread gatherer an online shop where you can go to find all of these different threads in one place? Yes. Um, I think through their page, they have an Etsy shop, which is where they, they sell everything. Oh, okay. On Etsy. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And are you just to, um, loop back to Etsy for one minute, are you, um, 
happy with Etsy? Are you feeling confined by Etsy or are you like, you know, is there a reason, I guess, why you've stuck with Etsy? Any plans to, you know, also open your own shop? You know, it Etsy just works for me. It's simple. Um, I've just done it, you know, since it's been years now. So it's just, I'm comfortable with it. I know a lot of artists sell things directly through them, um, which would definitely cut out the middleman. <laughs> but for me right now, not having to concentrate on something else and just going with Etsy, which is comfortable to me and people feel comfortable using it for the near future. That's what I see going with because I am happy with it. And I wonder whether people discover you organically on Etsy. In other words, that aren't being driven to Etsy from Instagram. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I don't go on Etsy a ton. I know they used to have the front page feature where, you know, I would have a hoop featured and people would find me that way. I don't really know if people are finding me through Etsy or if it's just through the links, you know, through my Instagram profile, but Mm -hmm. either way it's, it is working. Yeah. And there's something to be said for both ease of use on your end and comfort on the uh, customer side. Yes, exactly. And it's familiar. Everybody knows about Etsy now when it first got started. I don't think people knew about it exactly, but now it's, you hear Etsy and you know what it is. Um, so it is comfortable for people to use. Right. Okay. That's good to, for people to hear. Um, and then you had one more thread you wanted to recommend from Lion Brand. They're the bonbons, which are thinner than yard, but yarn, but thicker than thread. I've never tried these. They come in packs. I think they come in packs of eight in, I found them at the, in the yarn aisle at Joanne, um, just like hanging there. And I, you know, fell for them because they're little t- any like balls of yarn, which are adorable. So I, I bought them in different colors and there, I didn't know how they would work to embroider with because they are a little bit thicker, but I've had no problem at all threading needles and using it. And it just adds a little bit of raised, um, texture and something different than thread. So it's a little fun. That's, that's really cool. These are all really good suggestions that people can, you know, for not very much money add to their, Um, art box, as you said, and then have some new things to play with. I think a selection of neat yarns like that and some needles, maybe the tulip pink scissors and a boho embroidery, the book would be an amazing gift for somebody. I agree. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) We need to put together some, some little gift baskets. That's really, I mean, honestly, that, that would be such a special present. So I think that's great. So well, Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Washington Apps podcast. I had so much fun talking to you. Oh, thank you. I did too. Oh, good. And you've been listening to the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, whileshenaps.com, where you can sign up for my email newsletter to get the best in sewing, blogging, and small business delivered right to your inbox each week. Today's episode was sponsored by the International Association of Creative Arts Professionals. Make your dream of a creative business into a reality with help from ICAP. For more than 20 years, ICAP has been the go-to resource for thousands of creatives around the world. Whether you're looking for peer support through their Creative Passion to Profit Facebook group, help taking your business to the next level through their annual membership, the chance to work not in your business, but on your business at their annual conference or private coaching. You'll find just what you need. 
head over to joinicap.com slash WalshyNaps and grab your free creative arts business blueprint and poster to get started. And if you decide to up-level your business with an ICAP Elevating membership, you'll enjoy 10% off if you use the coupon code ABBY, that's all caps, A-B-B-Y, when you check out. Thank you so much, ICAP. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time. (laughs) 